for the first time in so long since I'd been diagnosed, I recognized that face in the mirror. And I think that was so empowering and it really helped me heal because I thought, you know what, I'm more, I'm more than this. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on today's episode, we have entrepreneurs and TV personalities, Bill and Juliana Rancic, as they share wisdom on how to do business with your significant other, the tragedy of seeking perfection, and most importantly, where you can find the best pizza on earth. Bill and Juliana Rancic are two incredibly successful entrepreneurs with ventures ranging from entertainment to real estate to restaurants. So I started off by asking them what it was like to find and marry another entrepreneur. <laughs> um, it's good. You know, I got to tell you in the beginning, I I knew I was marrying an entrepreneur and I don't think Bill knew he was marrying one because I wasn't really much of an entrepreneur when we first met about 13 years ago. And I think being married to Bill certainly changed my perspective on business. And I started to look at things differently. And I became an entrepreneur really from, you know, being around Bill, watching him, learning from him, getting his advice. Uh, so it's never too late to become an entrepreneur. No, sure. I, I agree with that. And, and I think Juliana has always had it in her. She has an incredible work ethic. You know, she started out, um, you know, hosting shows and television and, and she would, you know, begin her day at four in the morning and end her day at, at 10 at night, much like I did when I was first starting my businesses. Um, you know, you have to be willing to do what other people are not willing to do. And that means getting up earlier, staying later, putting the time and making the sacrifices. So she definitely had the work ethic. And I, and I think that's really a very key ingredient to become a, a successful entrepreneur. Now, do you have a favorite out of the out of these, the one that's maybe the most fun or the, that, that comes the most easily to you? I think the, the most surprising one is, is the RPM restaurant group. Um, you know, I think that's uh, something that initially we were doing just more as a, a kind of a hobby and not even a hobby. I was really pursuing it just to appease Juliana um, because she wanted to, you know, resurrect all these recipes that she and her you know, family brought over from Naples, Italy. And it, initially the concept was going to be a little 50 seat restaurant. And next thing I know, we've got a 12,000 square foot restaurant, then we have two, then we have three, and we're about to have six of them total uh, come May. So it really took off. And I think the other thing that I've really been impressed with, too, is Juliana's new skincare line. Um, she just launched a uh, all-natural skincare line, and, and you can yeah, tell them a little bit I more about it. Yeah, for me, that's definitely the one I'm most passionate about. I mean, I love them all, but um, yeah, I just launched a skincare line called Fountain of Truth. And that came from finding a white space in the marketplace, truly. And it was a white space that I was frustrated with, which was clean yet effective skincare. Um, you know, I was going into my, I was actually in my forties, my early forties. And I had the fine lines, discoloration, you know, issues that a lot of people deal with. And I wanted to use clean skincare because I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer and really changed the way I, um, you know, what I was putting on my skin, what I was putting in my body. And I couldn't quite find, you know, I found a lot of great clean skincare, but it really didn't do much for wrinkles and, and fine lines. Um, and then I found a lot of stuff that was great for fine lines, but wasn't clean. And that's how Founder Truth came about. So that's kind of a classic story of, you know, you hear about some of the best ideas come from um, really necessity. existing and necessity. Exactly. So um, for me, that's been a joy. I just launched it in the past couple of weeks and it's, it's been incredible so far. So it's, for me, that's, that's really my focus right now. 
Uh, what advice? I know uh, in in watching some of your your clips and everything else, you talk a lot about you know finding opportunities and hard work. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs? Well, I think first and foremost is you can't do it alone, and I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs and, and even people in corporate America, you know, I, I think you can have an entrepreneurial mindset and work in corporate America, and I think where a lot of a lot of people stunt their growth is is they let their egos get in the way and they try to do it all. And one thing that I believe in it. And, and I learned, you know, midway through my, my professional career is that you have to have the mindset of, of that of the conductor of an orchestra. And what I mean by that is that the conductor of an orchestra doesn't try to play every single instrument in his or her pit. He finds the best musicians from all over the country or all over the world and, and puts them together. And I think that's what a good leader does. You know, you find people who are smarter than you are in different areas where, where you may lack and you bring them on the team. And, and that's, I think, how you find success. And for me, you know, starting out, I think, um, you know, it's funny. I, I've heard other speakers. I've heard other advice about balance and, you know, you're trying to start a business, but you need balance and, you know, you need time off and you need this. And that. But I feel like that for us, that wasn't our recipe for success. We, when we were hustling and trying to get still are. to where we are today um, and we were starting businesses, there was no balance. You know, you, we, we worked and worked and worked and worked and we knew that we had to make a sacrifice for that period of time, but, and hoped it would pay off, you know? And so that meant late night phone calls that meant mm-hmm. early mornings that meant, I remember I would take 10 flights a week, you know, just working and going to different cities and, um, but it was what I had to do to build my businesses. This it d- d- does not appear overnight. So I think that, you know, the hard work is so important. Um, I just can't stress that enough. It's, there's no real secret. It's hard work and knowing that you might not have balance for a while, but hopefully it'll pay off. What's the, what's the importance of using empathy in business? You know, that's something that's really important to me. And I, and I think a lot of people, um, misinterpret that term using empathy in business. You know, they, they think it just means being nice to people. And of course it's important to be nice to people, but I think when you use empathy in business, you're able to see the world from your customer's perspective or your employee's perspective rather than your own. Um, and I always use the analogy, you know, sometimes it, it's when you look from the outside in, you see things a little bit differently. And, and oftentimes we think we're leading a certain way or we're approaching um, our customers a certain way. And, and when we stop and we pause and we see the world from their perspective, um, it's a much different uh, perspective that we're, we're actually seeing. So I think empathy is so important um, in, in business and it's so important in, in building relationship, relationships with your customers, as well as um, how you manage your employees or your team members. What's a, what's a tough or one of the one or two toughest decisions you've had to make as a business leader or as, or as entrepreneurs? Well, I think, I think one of them is always admitting when, when you, you know, a failure, you know, and I think that's important. And, and I think failure is important in business because you learn from it, you grow from it and you're never, you know, you're not always going to hit a home run. I think that's, you know, if you think you're always going to be hitting a home run, then you're, you're going to be setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. So I think, you know, knowing when you've reached that point where you maybe have to retool or, or, um, you know, adjust or react. And I think that's something that a lot of people have a hard time doing. Also getting into business with bad people uh, is never a good idea. And sometimes you think this deal sounds incredible. Uh, You know, it looks great on paper. It's even though the people, well, you're not so sure about them, but you know, still this product is incredible. I really believe in it. 
if you get in business with bad people, it's going to end up a bad deal, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, we've had to learn that the hard way um, with a, a business venture of mine years ago. And it was just, um, you know, that, that's just the way it is. So, I mean, but I think there's a lot to learn from that. So now it's such a priority to us uh, in terms of what deals we look at, that the people are good people. We just did a deal the other day. We invested in a company, an apparel company, and, you know, it was the owners, the fact mm -hmm. that these two women um, who were just had incredible backgrounds and they were just so talented. And I just, we just love talking to them. You could just tell they were just great people. The passion and, they had for the it. passion. And, and so that right there was one of the reasons we wanted to do this deal because we believed in them and we truly liked them, you know, as people. And I think that's really important as well. Now you've been married, uh, is, is it over 10 years now? Uh, over 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. Uh, so I, I, when I put out for questions on LinkedIn and Facebook and some others, that seemed to be the biggest thing that people wanted to know from you. So one of the questions was, do you have any rules for working with your spouse to keep work and home life separate or balanced or successful? Not, not really. I mean, we don't really have any hard set rules on it. I mean, we, you know, when, when it's family time, it's family time. And, and, you know, when we have to work, we work. And I think we're very efficient in, in both areas. You know, when we're with our son or we're with each other, we're very present. Uh, we're in the moment. Um, and, and we're not checking our emails or texting. You know, we try to, um, we try to be there a hundred percent. And then when we're working, it's the same thing. We're not playing around or sending silly emails or some of the things that people do. We're, we're very efficient and, and try to be focused and present when we're working. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for us, we love working together and actually every business opportunity that comes our way as individuals, we think to ourselves, Hmm, could Bill add value to this? And Bill, adds, you know, wonders if I can add value, you know, and some deals don't make sense, but a lot do. And it's a way for us to spend even more time together. But at the end of the day, Bill and I truly like being together. We're husband and wife, but we're best friends too. You know, we like to hang out and, and be around each other. So I think that's definitely a, <laughs> a key to it too. You got to really enjoy spending a lot of time together. And what's the biggest struggle when dealing with Hollywood values? Um, interesting. So for us, I, I, I imagine it's a struggle for a lot of people. Um, because, you know, Hollywood's a very different place. It's a very unique place um, where it's, you know, so much focus on entertainment and who you know and that sort of thing. But for us, it does not affect us at all because Bill and I have never changed. You know, I moved to Hollywood when I was right after graduate school and um, I'm still the same person. Like, I still feel like I'm that same girl. I still have the same values, the same morals, um, the same personality, you know, and so I, you know, for us, we just have very, we have strong personalities mm -hmm. and we know who we are, where we come from, and we don't ever lose sight of that. So for us, it hasn't been a struggle at all, but I, I know for a lot of people it is. Um, so yeah, for us though, it hasn't been a struggle because you just have to keep in mind who you are, where you come from and what's really important in life. It's not, it's not who you know, or mm -hmm. who you know in Hollywood or what you're doing in Hollywood. It's, at the end of the day, it's just about the relationships that you formed and the impact that you've had on the world. You know, I think that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Well, and where do you think that comes from for for each of you? Family, yeah, parents for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, you know, we can't. Although we grew up on different sides of the world. I mean, Juliana was born and grew up part, partly in Naples, Italy, and I was the south side of Chicago. Uh, ironically, our, our our upbringings are very similar. 
and um, definitely very similar values and work ethic. Um, and just the way our parents raised us is, was very parallel. Do you have any specific stories and maybe things that your parents uh, taught you that were able to, to kind of carry you through? I mean, whether you'd gone to Hollywood or not, um, what are some of those you know, values that they instilled in you? I think for me, the best, the best lesson that my parents instilled in me was that it was okay to make mistakes. It was okay to have failures, but it was never okay not to try. And I think today I see it more than ever where these parents are, are so set out on perfection and they're aligning their kids with quarterback coaches at the age of seven or endurance. You know, I'm not kidding. I mean, this is happening in the world, you know, um, they're, they're, there's no room for failure. There's no room for mistakes. And I think what happens is when they reach adulthood, that they are so afraid of failing that they don't try. And ultimately that's the biggest failure of them all, not trying. Yeah. And for me, I just think by, you know, my parents, I had a very strong sense of self um, as a young child. I think my parents were constantly just um, making me feel like I could do anything. You know, there was never a, moment of you can't do that or you know you can't try that I mean it was the total opposite so um I think that you know moving to Hollywood I just always had a very strong sense of who I was and also I think you know it's funny I'm very close to my parents I have two other siblings we're all very close to my parents we love them so much and for us it was like growing up we never wanted to disappoint them and I think that I still have that as an adult like I have a lot of pride you know, with my family, a lot of family pride. Like I never want to disappoint my parents. They did everything for us. They moved to this country with nothing for us. And my dad was a tailor and he worked day in, day out. My dad just turned 80, uh, you know, what, last, almost last, a year ago. Last November, right? And he still every day goes to a shop and works. You know, he's worked since he was 11 years old um, in a tailor's shop. And so I have, you know, an incredible sense of work ethic from my father and my mom as well, you know, just being with him working day in, day out, helping my dad and working in the shop with him. But, um, you know, for me, I, I just feel like, I, you know, they did, they sacrificed so much for us. And so I always want to make sure that they're, they're proud of me. And I think that's a great thing. And I think if you can instill that in your kids, I think you can, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing better. Now, you know, having those, um, foundation so much from your family, I'm sure have helped. I know uh, very publicly you've dealt with a lot of different things from health and and uh, infertility. I know I mentioned to you, my wife and I had struggled with that around the same time. Uh, you've had breast cancer. Um, how are you able to continuously overcome and just get through those really serious issues in life? It's not easy. I mean, we've definitely been through, you know, a lot. Um, yeah, trying to, you know, have a child um, was a struggle. I mean, with rounds of IVF and so much disappointment and sadness. And it's just, it's really tough. Um, and and then, yes, breast cancer, going through breast cancer, you know, at a young age of 36, um, you know, obviously it rocked my world at, like <laughs> in the worst way possible. Um, but, you know, together we have been able to, Whenever I'm in really dark moments, you know, and especially during those health issues, um, Bill is able to kind of, you know, listen to me, empathize with me, but then also say, you know what, though, but look at all the great things happening in our lives, you know, and so you just have to, that's what I think helps me is just bringing it back to gratitude and being grateful for 
what I have, even when it feels like everything's crumbling, you know, around me, it's very, very important to keep gratitude in mind and, and be great, constantly grateful. And and I think we also, we, we learned to turn negatives into positives and we used, um, you know, we were doing a, a TV show at the time and we chose to use that platform for good and not evil. And we documented the process and in in doing so, we knew that it was going to have an impact on a lot of people, much like you and your wife. You know, there isn't a day that goes by where someone won't stop either myself or Juliana and say, you know, thank you. My wife went in and got a mammogram because we watched your show or thank you. My family now knows what it's like to struggle with infertility because they watched your show. So I think that really helped the journey as well, because we knew that um, we were going to be able to have an impact on a lot of people through the process. Now, uh, you know, obviously through that, you, you now are, are parents, uh, you've got a very cute little boy. Um, how has life changed since that moment? Well, I mean, when you have a kid, it's, it's, you know, the one decision you make that affects every decision you make from that point on. And, you know, we, we've definitely had to um, willingly, you know, change our, our lifestyle a little bit. Um, you know, we are, are now focused primarily on him, you know, he's, he's our number one priority, you know, family first. That's our rule. We don't negotiate. We don't compromise. It's, it's family first. And we're going to make sure that we raise a fine young man with a good work ethic. Um, who's, you know, has, you know, compassion and kindness and, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that's, that's the case. Yeah. It's definitely changed for the better. Our life was great before Duke, but I mean, it's so much fuller now and, you know, he's just an incredible little guy. And um, so, yeah, there's no joy. Like, you know, when it's funny, I, I always say this, like growing up, I love to laugh, you know, and I have, you know, great friends and Bill and we laugh. I just laugh all the time. I just love to have fun and laugh. And when, but when my son makes me laugh, mm. there's no feeling like that. Like it's a different type of joy. It's a different type of, laughter and deeper laugh, you know, and it's like, so just like from the deepest place mm-hmm. in your heart. And it's just like such a different, I, I've noticed it, you know, cause I'm like, wow, the way I laugh with him is I've never felt that in my life. And I think that mm-hmm. that just goes to show like what a, what a gift kids are. You know, someone, when we were uh, expecting someone once told me that when you have a child, it unlocks a chamber in your heart that you never knew existed. And that is so true. Um, it's, it's a, a type of a love that you never thought you would experience. Well, one of the things you talked about that you want him to, to grow up to be, to be someone with compassion, that's hardworking, you know, in the show, I, I love watching it, you going to Haiti, um, or, or, uh, Juliana with Fabby Wish with, with your nonprofit. Can you tell, talk maybe a little about of some of the things that you've done or what those experiences were like for you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Ultimately, you have to be a good steward with the gifts that God has given you, you know, and, and, and we have a, a, a little quote in, in one of our offices, and it says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, and we believe that, you know, we, we've been very fortunate and we've been very blessed. And, and if we can make a difference and, and help, you know, a few others along the way, then, then we're doing our job the right way. And what's, what's it been like launching uh, the Fabuish Yes. Um, so Fabby Wish was something that came uh, kind of came out of, you know, my whole experience with breast cancer. After my double mastectomy, I went back to work. It was about two weeks or so after the double mastectomy. And I'll, I, I remember, you know, getting hair and makeup done and I'm sitting in the chair and I'm looking down at my phone and I'm, 
I'm just thinking, oh, this is so silly. Like, I, what do I care about hair, makeup, wardrobe? You know, should I even have come back to work this quickly? And I don't know. I'm not really into this. And I'll never forget when the girls go, okay, you're done. Let's go to set. And I looked up and I saw myself in the mirror. And for the first time in so long since I'd been diagnosed, I recognized that face in the mirror, you know, and I saw the girl I was before I had breast cancer. And I think that was so empowering and it really helped me heal because I thought, you know what, I'm more, I'm more than this. You know, this is, this is just a part of my journey. This isn't my whole life. And I thought to myself, I, you know, if, if that worked for me and that really helped me, I, you know, I imagine this could help so many other women. And so I came up with this initiative called Fabuish and we grant wishes to women who are going through breast cancer treatment. And it's just been incredible. We've granted um, hundreds of wishes and, you know, they're the most deserving women and it's everything from, you know, makeovers, wardrobe, new wardrobes to trips to Disney world and, um, you know, home makeovers and that sort of thing. And it's, it's been really very incredibly rewarding to help these women just kind of step outside of that world of breast cancer and her, you know, day-to-day life having to deal with this disease and just feel like herself again. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been really incredible. Now, last question here, and this could be the most difficult one. I know, Juliana, you're from Naples, where pizza was invented, and Bill, <laughs> you're from Chicago with Famous Deep Dish. What is the best pizza on earth? Mm, I'd have to say Naples and Margarita. Like, I'd, I have to, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. I would say Napolitan pizza, yeah. like Margarita pizzas from Naples, Italy. I mean, they, there's some actually great places in the States that – make that, you know, from the wood burning mm-hmm. ovens and those, you know, the kind of a whole pie is yours sort of thing. And um, I just, I, so I love that yummy, like mozzarella, thinner, gooey Napolitan pizza. Um, so that's my favorite. I was sitting in a piazza in, in Southern Italy, eating a pizza, having a glass of wine, you know. It's, it's as good as it gets. It doesn't get any better. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more about today's guest, visit beyondspeak.com. This episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was me, Eric Woody. Brian Lord was your host and executive producer. Shout out to special consultant Lauren D. of D. and Associates and Robert Borquez for that sweet, sweet intro. If you've listened this far, do me a favor and justify my existence and salary by checking out another episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast.